Well, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word, the Desert Spring United Methodist Church podcast coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I am Julie Hart, Director of Connectional Ministries here, and I have a first time guest. I'm going to say it right. I practiced before this, right? Peggy Korkovalis. <laughs> um, Peggy is going to introduce herself in a little bit and tell you about her. Uh, but Peggy's kind of, uh, she's newish to me. I'm still getting to know her. But right away when I first met Peggy, I knew this is a special lady with a special story. Her faith uh, really comes through in everything that she does and says. Uh, and so I'm excited to be able to hear more about her story. So Peggy, let me um, have you introduce yourself and tell us how you came to be here at Desert Spring. Well, my name is Peggy Krakovalis. Uh I have been at Desert Spring for probably about a year and a half now, having come from Green Valley United Methodist Church on the other side of town. Um, I was warmly welcomed, and you'll hear more about that in my story and how I came to be here, because that's one of the things that God led me to, as he's done over and over again throughout my life. And I want you to know that I'm humbled to be here today and to share with you and with others how God has walked with me and talked with me and led me through 85 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is uh, an exci- I'm excited to hear your story. I know uh, you are part of a really special group here at church that you uh, were able to connect with pretty early on coming here, the women's spirituality group that uh-huh. meets during the week. Uh, and man, that's a cool group of ladies. Yes, it is. Cool yes, it is. Yes, it is. They are wonderful. And I love each and every one of them. And they're wonderful prayer partners. And I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And as you know, I count on you ladies to pray. You know, we have some special circumstances and special people when I when I really need to know that that's happening. It's, it's so nice to know that um, that you're there and that you all are praying. Well, and last week when we had our meeting, uh, one of the other ladies came in whom I did not know, but she had a special prayer request and she knew that we were prayer warriors and it blessed me to hear her story and what she was asking us to pray about. That's really nice. That's really nice. And we all have our alarm clock set for eight o'clock in uh, every day. So I'm, I'm a little bit connected to your group because yes. I know we have a special family that your group prays for and I've set my alarm because... I love that you made that decision that we're all going to be praying at eight o'clock every day, you know, wherever we all are. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a privilege. It's a real privilege and an opportunity to uh, share our love and our respect for our Lord. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Well, you know, Peggy has done some homework here. Uh, about, a, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I, I don't, preaching's not my gig, but I, I did share a message uh, here in church, and uh, it was remembering your story, uh, because it's something I feel really passionately about. I feel so important. I know my faith uh, would not be the faith that it is were it not for the stories that have been shared with me. And, you know, to be honest, I just got really you know, tired of going to memorial services and funerals and learning all these cool things about people and thinking, man, I would love to have heard and known about that. And so um, we recently had a a shared friend that we went through memorial service with and uh, just hearing the stories and thinking, I would like to, would have loved to have asked her about that or uh, different things like that. So I really uh, think it's important for us to capture our stories and to, to be willing to share them. And I know you've done some work with that. So sharing your story. So 
with without uh, any further ado, uh, tell us where your story began. Well, my began, my story began decades ago in Hoopston, Illinois, where I was born. Hoopston is a small farming community. Well, it's not so small anymore, but at that time it was. And um, my parents both came from parent from farming families. Um, you need to know that neither of my parents ever went further than sixth grade, but they both became very, very adept in their lives and very uh, profitable in, in what they learned and what they, they studied for. And I always appreciated the fact that they had that example for me. Um, we did move to Aurora, Illinois, which is about 50 miles from Chicago. It was north of uh, Hoopston when I was three years old uh, because it was now it was World War II. And my dad got a job at a munitions factory there. And that's where uh, he was. He worked while I was being raised. Uh, for a long time, he worked there through the war. Um, in our home, there was lots of love, laughter, family, friends, a lot of gatherings, discipline, and there was uh, a lot of music. My dad played the guitar, my mom played the banjo, and I played the piano. I started lessons when I was five years old. My kindergarten teacher gave me lessons, and she did use the ruler from time to time. And um, But uh, I was so blessed to have all of that music in my life, and music has been real important to me. Um, I don't ever remember not going to church. I uh, On Sunday morning, we went in the morning, we went in the evening, we went to Wendy's Wednesday evening prayer group, um, We I went to youth groups, and there were other activities. When the doors were open, we were there. I, I have a, a real strong memory of uh, my folks during World War II pulling us in the wagon in the summertime and when the weather permitted and pulling us on a sled. My brother and I, he was three years younger than I was and um, pulling us along so that we wouldn't miss church because my dad had to use the gas because it was rationed. He had to use the gas in the car to go to work. So we were pulled uh, by some means uh, to get to church each time we went. And um, that was a time, uh, a special time. I'm so glad I can remember those things and share them with my family today because they're so used to their motorcycles and cars and whatever other vehicles and the way they get around. And I thought a long time ago, we started in a different way. Um, when I was 12 years old, I went to a youth conference. I can still see the the building and the people that were there. Uh, and I gave my heart to the Lord at that time. Just as I am was uh, playing, I went for the altar, to the altar. And that's where I began my, my journey in uh, walking by faith and not by sight. And that's an ongoing lesson that I've used throughout my life. In my growing up years, I was involved in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, revivals, tent meetings. I remember going to the old tent meetings, yeah, you know, where cool. they were outside. <laughs> yeah, And I was singing in the choir and did solos and duets and trios, played the piano, played the organ, went to youth camp, went to church conventions, uh, church was a big part of our life. And at this time, uh, one of my mentors uh, came to be our youth director at our church. His name was Chuck Lee. He was an elementary school teacher, one of the first men teachers that I was acquainted with. And he was a mentor and a friend for 
many years with me. Wow, wow. Was he a volunteer youth director? Did he change jobs to be on staff? No, no, no. He was a volunteer. A they volunteer. didn't have they didn't have staff people at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was an elementary teacher, as I said, and and he and his wife had two small children and and they were just wonderful examples for me of God's love and God's uh and serving God, how to serve God in different ways. Um Chuck was with me throughout high school and then when I was in college and even after I was in college and working as a teacher, he contacted me and reached out to me, which I'll tell you about in just a moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that he was influential in helping me understand the bigger picture of serving other people. And uh, I worked with Chuck with the migrant workers in uh, our the farms that were around our house. Right. They came up through Texas and then through uh, Illinois and on up to Michigan, Mm -hmm. and there were a group of them. And this was before Cesar Chavez, so they all lived in chicken coops at the farms. Right. Wow. And um, we worked with the Wayside Cross Mission in this effort. And the Wayside Cross Mission at that time had a big old station wagon, and they had a portable pump organ. And they would lift up the back of the open the doors in the back of the station wagon and they'd push that pump organ in and off we'd go to the farms. Wow. And uh, then at the farmhouse or the farms themselves, uh, they would unload the organ, take it apart, do whatever they needed to do with it, and then I'd pump the organ and play hymns and songs and choruses and the children would just come running around with their moms and the grandmas. The men mostly went off with Chuck and did Bible study and this kind of stuff, but we did a lot of singing and a lot of telling stories about uh, that that went along with uh, whatever the songs were about. And how old were you when you started doing this? Uh, I was in high school and then my first couple years of college. Mm -hmm. So I was 18, 19 years old at that time when I was doing that. Can you remember any of the songs that you played back then? I remember the one was uh, There's Power, Power, Wonder Working Power. And they would sing it in Spanish. And I never did the Spanish. I always did the English. Uh uh, And we would do This Little Light of Mine and and songs like that. It was fun. Wonderful. It was fun. It was great. And those little... Children running out there in their in their uh, bare feet, you know, yeah. running around and singing yeah. songs and clapping their hands and always giving me lots of hugs. I like that. Wow. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. A, it's a wonderful memory. Um, shortly after I moved to California, again, Chuck made contact. This was many years later. And he wanted me to come back to Illinois in the summer uh, to help conduct a school for migrant workers. It was uh, for the migrant workers' children. And it was funded by um, a federal grant. So I came back, and uh, we developed this educational program for K through 6, and um, had preschool as well. And we did classes, and then we had meals. And the meals were prepared by parolees who were working with the Wayside Cross Mission. Wow. So that was another extension and another opening of my eyes. And it brought to mind the the, uh, verse in Psalm 36-7, how priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low among men. Find refuge in the shadow of your wings. And these guys were finding this the shadow of of God's wings Mm -hmm. as well in the work and the effort that they put forth. And I always appreciated that. We became good friends. I like that all the time. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, I was blessed to be in the education field for over 40 years. 
I began teaching in 1959 in um, a segregated school in Virginia, which was a new experience for me because I came from Illinois, and we were not segregated. Mm -hmm. And so I had friends of all races and mm -hmm. all of. Uh, 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 levels of income and that kind of thing. So this was totally new to me. And um, I did well in my teaching. I didn't do so well in teachers' meetings because we they were county meetings. And in the county, we would meet in this big auditorium. And the black teachers were on one side and the white teachers were on the other side. And I always made the mistake of going through and sitting next to somebody who was not of my color on the opposite side okay yeah and yeah. uh many got tapped on the shoulder by the principal and said get over here where you belong wow <laughs> that didn't sit well with me but no again i had a responsibility to the job that i had and so um but it was an experience and i appreciated what i learned when i was there and and what did you teach i taught fourth grade fourth grade fourth okay. grade and that's where i began and uh i i think i did all right i got lots of comments that were uh, positive, and I appreciated that. But during that time, I also got married, and um, I got pregnant, and so we decided we were going to move back to Illinois. Uh, we finished out my school year, and then we moved back to Illinois so my husband could finish school. He had uh, three years, and he had a year to go, so we went back to Illinois at that time. Um, well, he received his degree, and he started teaching. And then after seven years of marriage, he decided he didn't want to be married anymore. Wow. And back then, that you know, that's kind of a big deal. Much, it was. Much more than it is today. It was a real deal, and a big deal. And at that time, my parents had already moved back to, back to California, not back to, but to California mm -hmm. from Illinois. And so there I was, you know. Mm. However, I will say this, and I give him credit for this, because he did say it was all right for me to take David and move to California myself to be with my parents, which mm -hmm. is where I was. Um, I continued teaching in Long Beach and then on to San Bernardino later on. Uh, I was a classroom teacher. I was a mentor. I was a program specialist, uh, a program facilitator. And throughout this, I learned to trust in him at all times and to pour out my heart to him because there were many times I was sad and lonely and confused, but I knew I was where I was supposed to be, and I just had to keep trusting. And you were in the public school. I was in the public schools. And again, this is where God's timing really made a difference to me because uh, I got a job in Long Beach when they weren't hiring teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, it was during the Vietnam War, mm. and I went to uh, interview even though – they weren't hiring at that time. They were taking interviews. And when I shared with her my background and what I had already had uh, to the uh, personnel director, uh, she called me. I think I went in on like November 1st, and she called me a couple weeks later and said, could I start teaching on uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow, wow. And so and I went to meet the principal of the school. It was an inner city school. I always taught in inner city schools. Uh, for some reason, I was led there, and I was always worked there, and that was that was my my place to be. And this is a non-segregated school oh, this that, time. Oh, this was a public we're in school. California, yeah, yeah, public. yeah, we're in California, mm -hmm. and it was a whole different thing. And um, But God's timing was evident time after time, and um, I was so pleased to be a part of 
uh, working with teachers and training teachers and uh, helping to plan and um, facilitate the college intermediate school, which is still there in Long Beach, and it's on the college um, college campus downtown. Oh, okay. And not not out at the uh, the big campus, but downtown. Okay. And so uh, I was a part of that, and it was a four five school. Uh, four, five, six school, and we did team teaching. So there was a fourth grade, a fifth grade, and a sixth grade pod. And then one te- we were all in one big room. One teacher did math, one teacher did social studies, one teacher did reading, and I was the language arts reading teacher. And uh, there were some interesting things that went on there. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was it was a real good learning experience. And I liked my job. I liked what I was doing. Uh, I loved my church that I was involved with there, College Park Church of God. Uh, I had lots of friends, and I loved being with my folks, and they were so good about helping out with David, and I appreciated that, David, my son. Uh, But I never was completely satisfied with the city of Long Beach. It was too close to Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. and it was too many people and all those freeways, and I just wasn't used to all of that. So um, I got a call from a former Sunday school teacher uh, from Illinois. She'd been my Sunday school teacher when I was five and six years old, and her family had moved to San Bernardino. And she knew of my uh, my work in the church and the school there in Long Beach. And she called me and invited me to come and apply for director of their church preschool. And I went to preschool to first grade program and also to be a youth director. Wow. And I thought... <laughs> Well, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. But curiosity led me to interview with the school board there. Now, um, I knew that going from being a public school teacher to uh, being a local church employee, there was going to be a drastic cut in pay. Yep. And I had a growing, growing young man. Mm-hmm. David was 10 at this time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I need to be responsible to him too. Mm-hmm. But I really liked the idea of going there. So... I sat down and did my budget, and in my budget, I figured out just exactly what we could get along on, and the school board offered me substantially more than what my budget was. Nice, nice. I couldn't, I mean, that was a yeah. that was a, a calling, and I knew I had to, to, re, uh, uh, to do what I was supposed to do. Right. And that's where Jeremiah 29, 11 became one of my favorite verses, for I know the yeah. plans I have to you for you, and they're not to harm you, but to prosper you. And I thought, yep, that's where I'm supposed to be. And so, it's a big uh, leap of faith. It, it really it was. Is. It was. And I, but I enjoyed it, and uh, I was able to work with the youth. And we had a youth choir. We called them. Um, uh, they, we called them the Joyful Noise, mm-hmm. and uh, we sang in lots of different places. And the moms were real great and made outfits that matched, and and it was a fun time. And of course, David continued to grow, and as he continued to grow, expenses grew more because he was in little league and this and that and the other thing. And um, so I eventually got a job at the San Bernardino City Schools, mm-hmm. which was a really ble- a real blessing for me. And I was. I applied as an elementary teacher, and I got a job as a resource teacher, and um, I was in San Bernardino City Schools for 30 years wow. and in different capacities there as well. And then how did you stay connected to the church when you went? Because that's a hard... I've well, done I I've, continued to go to the church and work with the young people, you still and I continued to do music with them. Yeah. And so I was always connected with the church at, you know, as far as that part was concerned. And during those years... 
uh, I was um, blessed. I was seeing the brother met and began seeing up the brother of one of my preschool teachers, Pete Kirkhovilis. And they were from a prominent Greek family of the St. Elias Greek Orthodox Church. But Connie, Pete's sister, had been attending the Highland Church of God for many years. Pete had visited with her, uh, visited the church a lot with her. And then we met and we courted and we married and we were married for 42 years until his death in 2014. And you met at church then? We met at, well, we met through Connie, through mm-hmm. church, yeah. yeah. But we did meet at church. That's where it was yeah. your first meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. When I first met him. And he was recently divorced uh, when I first met him and had two daughters. And uh, But we, we got along really well. And strange as it may seem, we got along really well with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And even throughout these years, and... Uh, she lives in Washington now, and we've been friends all of these years. And you know what? Just a clue for some people, it really can work. You have yeah. to just open your eyes yeah. and open your heart and be friends yeah. because people are important. Yeah, I've, I've heard you. You've, you've shared this before, and you know, I've been there in a group, and I, and I think that's that's a true testament to, um, you know, the love and the grace, uh, you know, that— Well, and f- frankly, we became good friends with David's dad as well. And he married again, and we became friends. And he passed away after a year after uh, Pete did, and um, I'm still friends with his ex, his wife, mm-hmm. you know, his widow. Yeah. And she lives in North Carolina, but we still talk. And actually, she's quite ill right now, so I'm going to have you. I would tell you about it later, and you can pray for her for sure. Because sure. Uh, she's she's important still in my life because she's my son's stepmother. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, and that's exactly right. Yeah. And so you said you were married 44 years. 42 years. 42 years. Yeah. Okay. And plus the seven before. So you have you spend a lot of your life as a, as a married woman. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I did. And uh, our years, our years of marriage were filled with joy and happiness, but also sorrow and tragedy. Uh, Cindy, his youngest daughter, committed suicide when she was 24. Wow. And uh, that was a really difficult time in our life. But again, God was, God was evident in so many places and in so many ways. And uh, so we got through that, but we've never forgotten her and, and uh, remember her all the time. Um, we got through a lot of things by loving and trusting God with our lives and the outcomes of every trial. We just had to trust and, and go forth and know that he was in charge. Um, through it all, that song by Andre Crouch. I love that song. I don't know if you, the, the one chorus or the one verse I love is, um, if I didn't have any problems, I wouldn't know God could solve them. <laughs> yeah. And so through mm-hmm. it all, he got us through many, many times. Well, as I mentioned before, um, when Pete and I did get married, Christy and, and Cindy, Christy was David's age, and then Cindy was two years younger. And again, with those girls, we did lots of different kinds of things and had wonderful times. We laughed, we cried, we attended graduations and baptisms uh, at both churches, the Greek church and, and our right. church. Uh, we welcomed grandchildren and many, many nieces. Pete was one of nine children, and so oh, wow. and all of his yeah. brothers and sisters had more than two. Mm-hmm. We were the only ones that had the the three, actually, with David and Christy and Cindy. And everybody else had big, big families. So there were lots of nieces and nephews. And I need to tell you, these kids, 
they're not kids anymore, and they're in their 60s, but they still call Aunt Peggy. Ah, I love that. And my, uh, I, in fact, one of them lives in Phoenix, called me the other night, and we talked for an hour, and he had a whole list of prayer requests. Mm -hmm. And he said, and Aunt Peggy, I need some suggestions. And he's in his 60s. That's wonderful. But I, I, and I love them all. And um, I have one in, in San Diego who's a nurse, and she well, actually she's a great niece, and she's a nurse, and she helped watch over Pete from time to time and over my mom. And then when I moved here, she had moved to San Diego, and she's a nurse there. But she comes up periodically, and she just called yesterday and said, put this on your calendar. I'm coming in April and be there for three or four days. And um, I just I just love it. And I'm Grandma Peggy to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah, that's beautiful. And let me, backing up to the blended family, um, because that can be tricky sometimes. I've I've watched that work, and I've watched it not work. So what what were some of the challenges, and how did you navigate that with the kids? Um, Cindy always wanted her mother and dad to be together. And she loved me, but she wanted all three of us to be together, which wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right. We know that. And they lived in uh, uh, Corona. Or, no, they didn't live in Corona. They lived in the, at the beach. Um, and uh, so we would go down on the weekends. But we were always friendly. It just was a natural part because you forgive and forget. You can't really forget everything, but you can forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's what we made a point in our lives. And And their mother took them to church. And we took them to church when they were with us. And, of course, they loved being with all the cousins and all of the family that was there. And um, we just really blended together. And actually, uh, a year ago, Christy and Christy lives in Washington now uh, and her mother. And Christy's two boys, one of them lives in California and he's married. And one of them lives up in Washington as well. They all came down to visit and stay with me for about five days. Wonderful. And the ones from California came over, and we celebrated four of our birthdays. Oh, wonderful. And we had a – I live next door to my son, which you'll hear about in a little bit, but uh, how God worked that out. But they all came to visit and stay, and we had a big party at David's house and a big birthday party, a huge birthday cake. And, you know, you just got to put yourself out there and forget any of the negative things that happened in life and put them aside and just concentrate on what's important, mm-hmm. and that's love forgiveness, uh, sharing concerns, mm-hmm. and and being open to people and loving them. Relationship. That's what we're here Ex- for, that's right? right? Relationship. That's really true. That's really true. Um, while Pete and I were married, we traveled extensively throughout the United States, and we worshiped at the Congregational Church, the Greek Church, the Nazarene Church, and in our home. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Greeks, you know they cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Pete, yeah. Pete had four brothers, mm-hmm. and he and they all all the brothers cooked, and it was like who could outcook the other. Nice. And so Pete carried that over into these different churches, and would have dinners and senior luncheons and all that kind of thing uh, when he was no longer able to work, but he could do that and work in the community. And he was a great volunteer at the schools, and so Wonderful. you know we always appreciated Wonderful. that. Uh, Pete did require two open-heart surgeries and a trip to Stanford uh, University Medical Center for experimental laser heart surgery. There were only five people that were in this whole thing, and he was one of the five. Oh, wow. And we went up there and did all the tests and everything that we had to do, and we were 
the night before he was to have the laser surgery, they called us at the hotel and said that one of the other, three of them, three of the five had already died. The other gentleman just died, so they said where they were canceling Pete's surgery. Mm. Talk about a God thing. Mm. So we were disappointed, but we went home, and of course he was put on disability and could no longer work full time. But as I mentioned before, he had enough ability and enough energy and enough stamina to uh, continue serving the communities, which he did in many, many ways. Uh, Pete had a an old truck that had a camper on the back. And whenever there were sales on around the community and the different stores at Target, and I don't know if Walmart was there at that time or not, but anyway, other stores, and he would go buy sleeping bags mm-hmm. and caps knit caps and Mm -hmm. gloves and things like that and blankets. And then when the weather got back, he would go out and distribute them. Wow. Wow. And your kids saw that and people people saw what what a great example that was. And my grandson, Brody, that you'll hear about later, does that all the time. Yep. He does that today. (laughs) Because he he, saw that. Yeah, yeah, he saw that. And he also goes to... um, McDonald's, and he always asks for the manager, and he says, I'm going to order 100 hamburgers. Can you handle that? And he would work with the manager, let him know ahead of time so that he wouldn't bother the other people, and then he'd go distribute them to different places. So love that. I do, too. Love that. I love that. Um, Pete entered hospice care in the summer of 200, 2013, and we took care of him at home. Uh I watching out for him and my mom, because by this time, my mother had moved in with us. My dad had died, and my mother moved in with us. And she had um, dementia. And sometimes that was a real hardship. Mm-hmm. And uh, the dementia plagued her badly. And we didn't always get along. Things were a little stormy from time to time. Mm-hmm. But in her own quiet, precious way, she was a little tiny lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in her own precious way, she brought business. Uh, she brought uh, wisdom and grace to a lot of the meetings that we had in our home, our our prayer meetings, our Bible mm-hmm. study meetings, and that kind of thing. And her verse for me that she repeated constantly when I would get flustered or concerned, she'd say, "But Peggy, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength." And I say that today, and that's marked in my Bible, and I've got it on my computer and on my Mm -hmm. bathroom mirror Mm -hmm. to remind me that when I get overworked and when I think what's going to happen next, I try to calm down Mm -hmm. and relax and remember that I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. God's writing my story. Mm -hmm. I'm not writing it myself. That is really beautiful. And it's how beautiful that that you have a special scripture that that reminds you of your mom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, watching out, as I mentioned, watching out for Pete and my mom was kind of a double whammy. Wow, yeah. But uh, miracles of love and grace surrounded us every day, and we were privileged to minister to so many people. Pete was in the Optimus International uh, group, and he was a governor, and they did lots of good things for youth, and we were real happy to be a part of that. And uh, one day, one of the past governors and past international vice presidents called and said, Peggy, can we all come to see Pete? And I said, how many of you want to come? He says, well, the past governors want to come. He says, there's about 10 of us that want to come and visit with Pete. I said, let me get back to you. So I talked with Pete. I talked with the nurse, and and he was excited about them all coming. So we set a date for them to come. 
And, uh, of course, remember we were living in California. So they came from all parts of California. And uh, then Randy, who was our uh, secretary treasurer and Pete was governor, and his wife from Las Vegas came over too. Well, when they came, I had set up the, uh, the dining room table, and there were snacks, and there were drinks, and there were chairs, and they were all sitting around there. And we kept Patty uh, that came to visit with Randy. Uh, she helped me get the table set and get things served and this kind of thing. And then she and I went in the den. Well, we could hear them laughing, and we could hear them raising their voices. away. She said, what are they doing in there? I said, they're all telling lies. <laughs> they're telling lies yeah. about their how important they were and how good they were and this kind of thing. But they That's all right. were very prayerful and very yeah. kind, and we all prayed together before That's they beautiful. left, too. And oh. so that was it was a neat thing, and it was a good experience for Pete. He was pretty tired. What a gift. But it was. It was a, a gift. gift. And... Um, we had ministers from all different churches that came to visit us, too. And the Greek priest came. I have to tell you this because it's about Brody again. Brody was visiting with us, and he helped out with his his uh, pap- Papuli, uh, his grandpa in Greek. Oh, Papuli. Papuli, okay. but he called him Puli. My, my kids all called him Puli. And um, the Greek priest came to visit Pete while uh, Brody was there, and the Greek he introduced him to uh, the priest, and he chatted with Brody and talked, asked him some questions about his future and blah, blah, blah. And so when we left, when he was ready to leave, he said, I'd like to bless Brody if that's okay. And Pete said, that would be a, that would be a blessing to us. And Brody kind of, you know, looked mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> so Brody stood up, and, and they were about the same height, he and the priest. And the priest put his hands on Brody's shoulders, and he asked him a couple questions, and then he gave him a blessing, and and he crossed uh, himself, you know, and Brody, and it was really thrilling. Beautiful. And it was a real blessing to all to Pete and to me as well. That night on the phone, David uh, David had called Brody's dad to see how things were going, and everything, and Brody says, "Oh, Dad." The priest came from the church today, and I got to meet the Pope. I got a blessing from the Pope. The Pope. <laughs> That's cool. Well, we had to explain uh, that and say, well, that, it's not quite how it went. <laughs> but um, I need to share with you this, too, though, that uh, Pete's was in a hospital bed, and his hospital bed was right next to my bed. And maybe you've heard me say this as well. Each night we would sit on my bed, and we would hold hands and pray. And then I would tuck him into bed, get the oxygen regulated the way it was supposed to be, and uh, tuck him all in. And then he would reach up and pat my cheek, and he would say, it is well with my soul. Mm. What more could I ask for? Uh, It's beautiful. It was beautiful. And I will tell you this, that at his memorial service, it was amazing to me because our little church held about 200 people, and there was standing room only. Mm-hmm. And people in the back and in the vestibule and then on into the uh, fellowship hall, there were so many people. And what impressed me more than the numbers of people was the fact that there was every nationality you could think of that we knew of that was there. That's a testament. And not only that, but the workers from the field came in because Pete was in produce for all these years when he worked. But the workers from the field would come and they were in their overalls. And then there were people in different uh, 
categories. And then there were millionaires who owned Stater Brothers uh, markets that were mm-hmm. there and, and people who owned a, 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 tra- a travel motor ho- mobile home park that, was, that we had worked with the, the seniors there as well. Wow. And they were all there for him. To mm-hmm. honor him, and that just blessed my soul so much. That that is a beautiful gift for you to see that how many the, the lives that he touched across over the, and again all kinds of lines and boundaries. Exactly, right? there exactly. were no boundaries. Exactly, there beautiful. were none. There were none as far beautiful. as that's concerned. Yeah. Well, after Pete's death in May of two four, 2014, my mother declined more rapidly, and it was an extremely difficult time. And and I have to admit, I had pity parties from time to time mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, felt sorry for myself. But I often prayed from James 4, 8, that I would come near to God, knowing that he was near to me, mm-hmm. but I had to do my part as well. Because at this time, you're widowed, and your mom is failing, and also dementia it can go different ways, and it was. It sounds like it was going the diff. It was a difficult. Path. It was a very difficult time yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um, and exactly one year to the day of Pete's death, my mother fell and broke her leg, Ugh. and she was ninety four. She died just uh, days before her ninety fifth birthday, uh, but we had to put her in hospice again. But it was also at home because she wanted always to be at home. So I took her home with me again, and had her there. Um, but here's where God steps in and takes over. My son called his cousin in Illinois, my nephew, to give a re- update on Grandma and what was happening. And Tim, my nephew, said, it's too bad we don't live closer, David, because Kim, his wife, who was a licensed caregiver in Illinois, was between patients. And I told David, I said, call him back. And I flew him out three days later. And Kim came out, and she stayed with me. Tim went back home, but Kim stayed and stayed with me. And my mom died about 10 days later. Oh, wow. And, and but she was there to but help. But Kim was that. there. Oh, she said, Aunt Peggy, you go to bed. Uh-huh. You sleep. I'll stay up. I'm fine. because we, And she worked with the, the hospice nurses. Yeah. And, and she did things that I didn't know how to do. Well, and, and at this point, you're how old? When- oh, well, I'm... In my sixties, at this time, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a young chick. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So to have someone to, to have do the physical work, of right? It, and I, she did. And when we went to the grocery store, I remember because we always went to the same store, and they had the same clerk generally. And I said, I, I took Kim with me, and had another neighbor come over and sit with my mother. And I was just buying bits and pieces of things. And well, Kim got there, she made a grocery list because she was going to cook. And so the the clerk got, she says, wow, are you guys having a party? She said, no, we're just going to cook like we should and not just have this bits and pieces of things, you know. Nice. So What a gift. But, what yeah. a beautiful, beautiful gift. And and again, what a gift you were able to provide. To, the gift of being able to pass in your own home. Well, that's that was the thing. Yeah. And I also had an opportunity one morning the Lord wakened me and I went in and stood by my mom's bed. We put her in the in the living room mm-hmm. and the dining room. They were joint joined together. Mm-hmm. And and we put put her there because I didn't want her back in a bedroom where she was out of sight of people. Yes. And David had come and put a TV up for her and all this kind of yes. stuff so she could have interaction as as she was capable of of handling. Right. And uh, one morning I got up and I stood by the bed and she had snow white hair. Look at mine, mm-hmm. and um, she. But she was so tiny, and 
her cheeks were all rosy, and the girls had gotten her new, uh, her friends had bought her some new nighties, and she had a pink one on, and, and it looked like she had a halo around her, mm-hmm. and that there was a nightlight on, and I, I went over by the bed, and I took her hand, and she opened her eyes, and I looked at her, and I was able to, to tell her how much I loved her, and how sorry I was for being such a Grinch from time to time, but how thankful I was that she was my mom, and that I was able to have her as long as I did and to be with her. And she smiled and grabbed my hand and the tears came from both yeah. of us. It was yeah. a, it was a I was so blessed to have that. Yeah. That's um a gift to both of you to be able to have Yeah, that. it 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 was a real touching time. And um again, this is where Proverbs three five came in. I lean on leaned on and I trusted in and I was confident in the Lord with all my heart and all my mind. It was not my own insight and understanding. It was his grace that helped me through. Mm-hmm. So there he was. Yeah. There he was. Wow. Well, wow. now, after things settled down a bit, uh-huh. my mother had passed, my husband had passed, uh-huh. my son lived in Las Vegas, yeah. and he and his family and some dear friends were all encouraging me to move to Las Vegas. And, of course, my famous words were, Ain't no way I'm moving to Las Vegas. That's the last place in the earth I want to live. Yeah, this city is full of those people, Peggy. Oh, <laughs> Ain't no way, people. Oh, Here we no are. Way. Well, obviously the Lord had a plan. <laughs> and through my daily devotions and through scriptures, now I want to re- I've got to read these scriptures to you because do. these are the ones that came to me. The desert will rejoice, sing and shout for joy and give strength. The Lord will bring comfort. Joy and gladness will be found. I will make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Those are all from Isaiah. And then, of course, in Isaiah, even to your old age and gray hair, I will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. And then in Psalms, he changes a wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into springs of wilderness. And I finally had to say, I mean, those were in my devotions (laughs) day after day after day. And I finally said, okay, Lord. I mean, I stood up and said, I get it. I get it. I'm going to move to Las Vegas. Wow. And in January of 2016, I moved here. And I got to tell you, I've been blessed beyond all measure. I've been singing my theme song over and over again. One day at a time, Lord Jesus, one day at a time. Yeah. And it's been miraculous how he's worked here through me. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd been invited to stay with a friend for a time being. Anne and I were friends back in California when she lived there. She'd moved here because her son and family moved here. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, she lived in a house, and she had enough room, and she invited me to come and stay with her. Now, her son attended Green Valley United Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and he invited me to go there. And I said, no, no, I, 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 I've got to look around first. Let me look around first. But, you know, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. And so I, I looked up the um, Nazarene churches because I'd been going to a Nazarene church. Right. And I found four of them. So I wrote down their addresses, and this was before I had a GPS in my car. Mm-hmm. And um, and I told Anne, I said, you're going to be my GPS. And so we set out on a Saturday morning, and— she had the directions and was giving them to me how to drive where. Well, don't you know that the two of the addresses were storefronts, and they were no longer in existence? Oh, yeah. So we crossed those off. Mm-hmm. So then we looked for the other two, which didn't exist. They were wrong addresses. Wow. 
And I said, well, I've got to go to church tomorrow. It's Sunday. So I guess I'll go to Green Valley where Greg invited me to go. And I was looking for a um, church that had uh, that was Bible-based, and I was looking for a spirit-filled pastor, and I found them both. Yep, good people there. I know many of them. And so much, so many friends and all kinds of opportunities for service. And I looked at the bulletin, and there was a Sisters of Spirit meeting, and there was a yep. Women's of Spirit meeting. And yep. so I went to both of them and became very involved. Yes. And there was, they were having Bible school, and I got involved in Bible school. And I jumped right into Messy Church and the women's groups and on and on and was just humbled. Yeah. And grateful to be a part of taking the lessons and learning to be a student, uh, Stephen minister. And I, I can't tell you about the experiences through that. But all of these doors opened up, and I knew that I was where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really great people there. Really oh. great. Yeah. That, you know, um, it's. Yeah, there were so so many good programs. And dear friends. And you know they yeah. come and visit. Well, I'll tell you about them coming to yeah. visit me now. Yeah, Well, after a few months, I was living with Anne. And it was a warm and loving relationship. And I was very welcomed in the home. But I really, really wanted to move into my own place. Mm -hmm. My stuff was all in storage, and I wanted to move. So yeah. I was working with a realtor from Green Valley and <clears throat> looking for a, uh, a an apartment, two-bedroom apartment, you know, Nothing big, just something that was comfortable for me, or maybe even a retirement community area. Mm -hmm. And as I was driving down the street one day to go someplace from Anne's house, about five doors down from Anne, there was a, a side out front, and it said for lease. And I thought, oh, well, you know, this is the neighborhood I'm used to. I'll just look it up just to see what's going on. So I called the realtor, gave her the phone number. Mm -hmm. She took care of all the information, and she had a arrange for a walkthrough for David, my son, and me to do, which we did. Well, it was a lovely three-bedroom, two-bathroom home, just like the one Anne had. And uh, it wasn't an apartment, but it was a beautiful home, and it was a lovely place. And I said, but Lord, I don't need all of this. I don't need this large place. I don't need all of these amenities. And the Lord said to me, trust me. Mm-hmm. Mm and I said, okay, I'm leaving it up to you. And I don't know how many applications they had, but I know they had several, and they chose mine. So I thought, okay, there's a reason for me to be here. Well, <laughs> I had countless numbers of visitors over the few years there. Uh, family came, friends came. I had missionaries that were on furlough that came and stayed with me. And then the biggest blessing of all was the one we've been talking about, yep. was Brody, my grandson. Brody, yeah. And I, I have to tell you that I read this part to him yeah. uh, in preparation. And I said, Brody, if you want me to leave this out, I will. And he says, oh, no, Grandma, you have to read that part about what I went through, because that might give somebody some hope. I love that. And that's Brody. He had, unfortunately, Brody had made some unwise choices through his growing up years. And he ended up in a rehabilitation center, a facility for the assistance that he needed. And, and he did some maturing and some growing up there. And when he was released, he had a job, but he didn't have a home. His mother was not comfortable taking him in and his father was not comfortable taking him in. And so I said, well, come and live with me. Yep. And what a blessing he has yep. been. Yeah. He didn't have a car. 
Mm-hmm. And so, and he says, Grandma, but he had a job in construction. And he says, but Grandma, and my son said this too, you're going to have to get up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning to take him to work. And I said, what else do I have to do? Mm-hmm. So for several months until he earned enough money to buy a car, uh, I got up and took him to work. And then I went back and picked him up in the afternoon. But it was always a joy. Yeah. And and we always had lots to talk about and share about. And that that was a, a, good, a good time. It was a growing and a maturing time for him and a time for him to open up to God because he said, I got to get on this God thing. And actually, uh, my sisters of spirit at uh, Green Valley met on Tuesday nights, and that was the same time the AAs met. And um, and then after that was the youth meeting. And so Brody went to AA, and then he went to the youth meeting and helped out with the youth. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so great. And it was it was just, I mean, it, it was just made in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, God, only God could have orchestrated all of that. Um, the best thing, though, he really takes good care of this grandma. <laughs> we don't always agree. Mm-hmm. But then that's when we agree to disagree. And he loves his grandma. You can see that. He, oh, yeah. He takes boy loves his grandma. He, when, every night before he goes to bed, he says, I love you, grandma. Mm-hmm. And when he goes to work, I love you, grandma. Yeah. And he does. Mm-hmm. And he makes no bones about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate that. He's made wonderful strides. He stumbled from time to time, but don't we all? Yeah. And uh, he's still learning more lessons as he matures and becomes wiser. But he reads his daily word every day, and he comes down and says, Grandma, I didn't understand this part. Explain Mm -hmm. this to me, or help me with this, or or this kind of thing. And and I'm always there. He slips and falls occasionally, but then he picks himself up, and he goes goes right ahead, and the Lord continues to bless him in so many different ways, and I'm so thankful for that. So wonderful. So God continues to do things for me, and the latest chapter in my life— Began in the summer of 2021 during the middle of the worldwide pandemic. Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And David, my son, called. And, of course, I lived in Henderson, mm-hmm. and they lived over in Centennial Hills over here. And uh, David says, Mom, the house next door has become available. It's for lease. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. And I said, "For really, David? I don't know. Let me look and see. And so Brody and I talked about it. We came over and we looked at the house. It's a, a two-story house mm-hmm. with a master bedroom upstairs and a walk, I mean, two extra bedrooms upstairs and an extra bath and the walk, the bath and the ensuite. And then downstairs, there was an office that David says, oh, we can make this into a, into a bedroom for you downstairs because there was a bathroom downstairs with a walk-in shower. Oh, Nice. That was just made for me. Nice, yeah. And then the huge living room and dining area and the patio and so on and so forth. I mean, it was perfect. I thought, well, I don't know if I can afford this. Well, long story short, there were some repairs that need to be made in the house. There was a crack in the ceiling. The the, um, uh, hot water heater had burst in the the garage. And so the wall between the garage and the office had mildewed and molded and stuff like that. And there was some painting and carpeting that need to be replaced and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, David is in construction. My son is in construction. That's how Drody got in construction. So David called the owner who lives in San Jose, California. And he had given David the keys so he could help people to walk through the house when it was for lease. Right. 
And so David told him that, he says, I want to make a deal with you. My mother wants to move into your house, mm-hmm. but there's work that needs to be done. And I will do this, 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 and this at no cost to you if you put in the new carpeting and the new flooring in the, in the dining room area, in the kitchen, and put in new carpeting in the living area. And I'll do all of the other things. Wow, that's so great. And so the... Uh, owner was pretty excited about it. And of course, we applied and did all this kind of stuff. And he and I become very good friends. The owner. (laughs) The owner. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it's been amazing because living right next door to my son uh, has just been a real pleasure. And I have to add to that that I've never been a critter person. We never had dogs or cats or any critters in our house. Um, And David... I had a dog. They had a new puppy. Uh, he was a bulldog. He was named Dozer, D-O-Z-Z-E-R. Cool. I become Dozer's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you have. I bet you keep tra- uh, treats in your cupboards. I do. He knows Dozer. where they are. I bet so. He knows when we get up and he knows right where they are. And if yeah. I put him on the, on the island, he likes to get them off the island. <laughs> and there's a bed, a de- doggy bed for him in front of the fireplace, which isn't on, but the doggy bed is there and it's full of toys. And he race <laughs> and when David comes home from work, Dozer's at the door and he's going, Grandma, Grandma, you know ready to go, Grandma. Oh, yeah. And he just runs right over and we have a good time. Wow, so got your family right there. Well, and just recently they got another puppy. <laughs> Do you babysit? I, oh no, I don't babysit because I I can't get up fast enough. To, oh right, right, that's a good point. <laughs> and, and I I don't I don't move around as quickly as yeah, I used good to. Point. So, but but when they, they bring them over every day, and so I play with the puppies, and I'm so, so great. I'm so blessed. Wow. I'm so blessed. Um, and during this whole process of moving and getting settled, and and it, it was just wonderful because the Lord's plans, you know, I know I have the plans I have for you, they were very evident again and again and revealed to us over and over. Driving back and forth, though, from my home now in Centennial Hills to Green Valley yeah. became more of a chore for me. Sure. And I was getting older mm-hmm. and a little more decrepit and having to use my walker and cane more and more. Mm-hmm. And um once again, my prayers were answered when I sought a, ch- I sought a church that was closer to my home. Our prayers were answered too, Peggy. <laughs> yeah. And Here right there, 20 minutes from my house, was Desert Spring United yeah. Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Another warm welcome enveloped me. And although I'm not able to participate in the variety of activities I once was, I found this women's spiritual group you were talking about. Now, I want to tell you, this group of ladies, they're small in numbers, but they are large in prayer, in faith, and in fellowship. They surely are. They are just wonderful pilgrims and uh, and soldiers for the Lord. They it's, really are. Mm. And I love them dearly and, and so thankful and grateful for them. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I do do most of my church online right now because it's from the pandemic and on, it's been easier for me to do it that way mm-hmm. uh, than getting around uh, so much with my walker and that kind of thing. But um, I treasure the contact with Ann Hardy. Yes, yes, chatting throughout the service. Uh-huh. And, yes, and, and and that kind Wonderful. of thing. And then she started breakfast now on Saturdays yep. once a month with the ladies, which I can go. My daughter-in-law takes me every place, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and you. 
and I've appreciated meeting you and and all the things. And that that's where your your son and my grandson come to yeah. pass, because when Brody was just getting out of the rehab and the starting to church with me at Green Valley, they were going on, to, on a work day up to Potosi Pines. Yep. And Brody met this young man. What, yep. I can't remember. Louis. Louis. Mm-hmm. And Brody said, oh, I've met this young man and blah, blah, blah. And we talked about that. Well, then when we came to Desert Spring, we met Louis's mom, Julie. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was just amazing because there was that connection as well. Yeah, they were they were working on a project. Uh, Brody and Louis were working. They were moving all these pavers yep. from down below to up where the fire pit is. And, and it wasn't till the very end that my son, Louis, said, wait. We're moving the campfire and, you know, change. Like, he's like, no, we can't move the campfire. Uh, but they, they had, you know, they were the young guys moving. Yeah, moving they were the campers. strong guys. They weren't the older fellows working on stuff. Then. And, they, yeah. and, of course, Brody being in construction, he yes. knew what he was talking about. He sure did. And they had a good bonding. And my own son, Louis, who also has shared and will share, had gone through his own struggles, you know, with alcohol right, addiction. Right. And they, they had been able to talk about and share. Yeah, and it was a good meeting. It was a God thing. Good. Good. Very beautiful, and and he really, yeah. My son Louis really, really enjoyed. Yeah, it it, it was a God thing. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And I was blessed to have one of the small Bible study groups in my home uh, a while back when we were doing a study, yeah. and I enjoyed that so much and met some new people that yeah. I hadn't met before. The community group is the that, community was that group. The Bob Goff one. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it was such a fun thing to go through. Yeah. And 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 then I met again some of these people from time to time, and one of them at the ladies' breakfast the other day, and she said, "Oh, I was in your home." Oh, cool. With and so that was kind of fun to to see and talk with her again. So um, this all brings joy yeah. to my soul. Mm-hmm. And time after time, you can see where God has worked in my life, and I can see where God has worked mm-hmm. in my life, and I continue. I, I pray and and plan on continuing to walk with Him, mm-hmm. uh, however long He allows me to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, Eighty five years is a long time, uh, but I went to the doctor's office the other day, and she said, "For your age." You are in good shape. Yeah. Well, you know what? You you live right. You live you live joyfully. You live serving others, you know? Well it's good for your health, I think. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And I'm so thankful and grateful and and just blessed in so many ways. And um I look forward to whatever God has planned for me uh in these last chapters, uh last chapter, the last years of my life. And again, I want never to forget in Jeremiah again, nineteen thirteen, where he says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek, and you will find me with all when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, music has been a big part of my life, and I sing to myself all the time. I don't sing solos anymore. I gave that up. But what do you sing to yourself? I sing um how great thou art. Yep. And the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Mm. Amen. 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 Peggy, I so I thank you for your story. It's a beautiful story. Uh it's it's an inspiring story. It's a long story. story. <laughs> well, 85 years is a long time. <laughs> um you know, it's I I see so many ways I listen to your story uh where um God has put people in in your path where God has put you in the path of others, um, you know, and I think what's 
what's really special about you is I think that you've recognized that throughout your life. A lot of times we can look back and, oh, that's what that was about. But it, I, I feel like you're the person when someone comes into your life or when you come into someone's life that asks, you know, okay, what, what's the purpose here? I, I didn't share with you, but there have been several unwed mothers who have come and lived with me. Mm-hmm. And I've had babies mm-hmm. by them. Mm-hmm. And still have them. Mm-hmm. And um, my Julie is one. She's came to my house when she was born, and she's now fifty-two years old. And her mother, who was my dearest friend from California, my first friend in California, passed away last May. And so we're closer than ever. But there've been others as well. Mm-hmm. And those mamas still call when they need prayer for their children. That's so wonderful. <laughs> who are adults now? Yeah. Your, your prayer journal must be a pretty big book by now for all the people that reach out to you for prayer. Well, in my on the front of the prayer, my prayer journal, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I try to keep track of them and I try to uh, find out how how they progressed one way or the other mm-hmm. during the prayer time. Yeah. Do I need prayer, more prayer here or more prayer there or yeah. pray, pray for thing, pray for things more specifically in this way? God knows what's going on and he's already in control. But I like to think that he appreciates our little time together. I don't know if appreciates the right word, but Well, no, I th- I think that's true and I think um you know, the way that we connect and again it, it, I think it comes back to relationship and even people that we've not met that we're praying for or people that you know were part of our life so long ago. Um, I think that uh, that taking the time to connect um, in prayer is, is, is really an important part of our journey here. Let me share with you that when I went to the doctor's office the other day for my checkup, there was a young lady there and she was going to the same doctor. She had an appointment before I did never met the lady chatted with her that the, and, and some, and my daughter-in-law was with me. And somehow it came up about um, about the Lord, which it does many times in our conversations. And she said, oh, she said, do you know the Lord? And I said, well, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and so my daughter-in-law said, yeah, she's going to do a podcast uh, this week on her life story. Nice. And the other, anyway, bottom line is we exchanged phone numbers and I called her. She called me yesterday and said, when is the podcast? And I Whoa. said, I have to call you back because we're going to do it and then I'll let you know when it's coming. But this is a lady out of the blue. And what's her name? Her name is, her name is Sister Love. Hi, Sister Love. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Sister gonna Love. She's going to love that. She's going to love that. <laughs> and I will tell her when I talk to her on the phone to listen for sure. Because shout she, out to Sister yeah. Love. Isn't that amazing? That's very wonderful. And that, But that's just the kind of conversations you have wherever you are, right? With my doctors, too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of the, my life, and Amen. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And I'm Amen. looking forward to that. Amen. But I'm looking forward to what's coming day by day right now. You know, Peggy, you, you, you've, in sharing your story, you've answered a lot of my questions. Like I would ask, like, where, where have you seen God show up, you know, in your story? But in sharing your story, it, you've got scriptures that go along with so much of your journey because you, you recognize God showing up, you know? Absolutely. And, and, um, the people whose lives you influenced, I think, I think it's really wonderful, Brody, that 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 love that that you have for each other, um, that special that special kind of relationship, that an example that you've been to each other. 
Yeah. So I yeah. think that's I think that's wonderful. And your your life has not been without hardship. You know? No, no. We've had, as I say, we've had our perils, we've had our sorrows, we've had our share of of uh, of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pity party, you know, you talked about once in a while, Phyllis Murray always says, we just need to make pity party, pity party boxes that we can just take like, it's okay to, it's okay to throw a pity party and say, wow, this is like, this is hard or this season, like, but you know, absolutely, but you have to focus on God and you have to focus on what's important. And I give myself 10 minutes to have a pity party and said, I set the clock and then in 10 minutes over, that's it. Ten minutes. That's Ten a minutes. quick party. Well, I I don't want to wallow. <laughs> well, and that's true. You can't set up camp in it. I when my oldest son went off to boot camp, that was a very very difficult difficult time for me. And I, you know, it's it, it, it there's just so much you you don't have contact. You can't have contact. You, you have this Facebook page where all these other parents, and every day someone's not making it through or getting cut or it's a very stressful time. But my mom came about day four, and she's like, "This is your last day." Good and for then her. tomorrow you're going to get up. Good for her. And we're because I just, I just, I just cried. Mm-hmm. I just cried, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. she's like, "Okay, all right, this is you're on notice. And tomorrow we're going to get back, you know, get right. back to life and get back to doing." And right. you know, well, one one of the questions that uh, that was brought to me that might be asked was if I ever get uh, angry or feel abandoned that, by the Lord. That was my next question. And and I don't ever feel abandoned. I don't think I've ever felt abandoned. And I don't know that I've really been angry, but I've certainly been doubtful. Yeah. And I have been like uh, anxious. Thank you for sharing that. And I have been yeah. all of those things. I had to share with you, um, I had a really bad experience one time with uh, anesthesia when I was having a surgery, a surgical procedure. And uh, then I was scheduled for another surgical procedure. And I was really apprehensive because mm-hmm. of the experience that I'd had before, although the doctors knew about it and I knew that they, I had trust in them. But I remember sitting in church on that particular Sunday morning. And for whatever reason, I Pete was doing fixing a luncheon or something. And I was by myself in the back of the church and I was praying. And I was just saying, Lord, you know, let me be calm and let me just not worry about this. And I don't want to say that I actually heard his voice, but I heard a message. Mm-hmm. And the message said, do not worry. I'm not through with you yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think about that yeah. a lot of times when I think about uh, through it all, through it all, he's not through with me yet. Yeah. And so I want to remain faithful to him and trusting him. Those are the three things you have to tr- believe, you have to trust, and you have to obey. Believe, trust, obey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which you've, you've, you've done a lifetime of. Well, and I've, I've strived, I strive to do that each day and continue to do that. Beautiful. Along my way. So I have one last question for you, Peggy, because um, this is something that when I was going to share a message um, that that I started thinking about, um, and it comes from Pastor David, the memorial services that he does. He does a section of, of how shall I name thee, you know, uh, and um, so we don't really write our own services, but but what do you what do you expect that to sound like someday when 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 you're told good, well done, good and faithful servant, and your time your time on earth is through? How do you how do you expect? Uh, the people who love you to to name who you were on this earth. I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. I'm a grandmother. Mm-hmm. I'm a great grandmother. Great. I am a friend. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, 
I'm a child of God. Child of God. Child of God. Yep. And have been for years, been blessed to be one. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, Peggy, I just, what a treat, what a treat you are. I know when I first reached out and said, I'd love to, love to have you share your story. You know, it, it was, it was a humbleness that, that made you have to stop and pray and pause about it because, you know, um, that, that just a humility that you, that you carry with you. But I say that by sharing your story, you know, it's, this is, this is really being obedient to God. You know, and so by sharing your story and recognize, not once did I hear all of the things that you accomplished. What I what I've heard in this time together is all that God uh, accomplished through you. Without Him, I could do nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so but you had to show up. You had to show up and say yes. That's true. So you you've shown up over and over again, and you said yes. So I just thank you for for that treat that that this has been. Thank you. And um, may I pray for us, please, and for those who are listening. And Sister Love, I want to uh, say hi again to Sister Love. Gracious, loving God. Wow, we thank you for um, just the beautiful story in in Peggy's life and for um, uh, the gift it is to be able to hear how she uh, has been touched by you and the obedience that she has had throughout her life. And, and uh, Lord, we're encouraged by the fact that um, just like our lives, Peggy's life has not been without uh, struggles and challenges and obstacles and denials, um, but that you've been with her through it all. And uh, that tells us that you're with us too. Um, we thank you for the courage that she has had and uh, the ways that she's been able to minister to others. Um, as a teacher, as a mother, as a friend, as a neighbor, and just uh, even going to the doctor's office uh, to be able to uh, be able to share your hope, the message of hope that, that you bring. Uh, we thank you. Thank you for the example that she is in our lives, um, Lord. And, and yes, uh, on this day and every day, we name Peggy, uh, as you name her, a child of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.